Hey y'all, I'm Christine Riding. Yes, you are in the right place. This is Songtown on Songwriting. Marty and Clay are on vacation this week, and they've put together a recap of Songtown's two most popular episodes on lyric and melody writing. Marty kicks us off first with his tips on lyric writing mistakes and fixes. One of the biggest issues I see uh, is a changing point of view. So, and it can be either that in the first verse, we're talking to the person. And then in the chorus, you start talking about the person. So the pronouns switch from like you to her. And that's really confusing. Yeah. But it can also be a, a changing point of view in that um, maybe in the first verse, the singer says, um, I just can't tell if you love me anymore. And in the second verse, they say, I know you don't love me. And so you, right. you kind of go, well, what is it? You know, is it, is it that you you know they don't love you or you think they don't love you? So, you know, you have to be consistent with, I, I tell people pick one emotion and let the singer have that one emotion through the song. So if the singer's angry, let them be angry through the whole song. If they're confused, let them be confused through the whole song. Yeah, and it, you know, a song is so short, there's not usually room to change the singer's emotional mindset at, at the, you know, in that song. So like in... The song "I Can't Make You Love Me," it's about unrequited love. That's that's what the singer's feeling throughout the whole entire song. You know, she doesn't resolve it at the end and go, "Okay, I'm cool now," <laughs> you know, and, and have some magic transformation. It kind of just keeps that one point of view. And you know, um, another mistake I see people make a lot, and I call these people the time jumpers. So they they go from past tense to present tense to future to back to past tense back in the, in the present. And it, it they kind of, you know, just all over the place. And you have to be, sh be sure when you're writing that you really make that timeline um, easy to follow. And, yeah. you know, one solution to that, there's a lot of songs that are just in one moment. So the, you know, the song I mentioned, I can't make you love me is in one moment. Yeah. Uh, my song, everybody wants to go to heaven. It's one conversation between the preacher and the, the guy, the singer. So we don't have to worry about, changing you know changing tenses or our verbs and what you know if we're in the past or the present and all that so that's an easy fix if you can if you can make your song about one moment that solves that but if it's a story that requires you to move through time you have to really make that clear um and another big issue and this is a huge one i think is the second verse curse and so it, it's when people get to the second verse and they just reword the first verse. So if people in Songtown have heard me talk about uh, song blueprinting or song mapping, and if, if you do that and you establish a sentence for what you want to communicate in each section, you can usually catch that. But, but if, so if, if I'm doing a blueprint and it's like verse one is going to, the big idea is going to be, I miss you so much. And then in the chorus, the, the hook is please come home to me. Yeah. And then my second verse is I wish you were here. Well, that's the same thing as I miss you so much. Yeah. You know, there's, there's really no difference in those thoughts. So I can look at my blueprint and go, Oh, these are really, really similar. I need to figure out a place to go in that second verse that takes the, the big idea farther. And, and one way I encourage people to think about that is that, you know, your first verse introduces characters, context, and setting your chorus introduces a big idea. And then you have to ask yourself, and then what? Yeah. And that moves the story forward or the song forward. So if I introduce a big idea and I go, okay, and then what happened? 
by necessity, I'm not going backward because I'm, I'm forcing myself to think what is the next thing. And so that can really help you come up with second verses that aren't the same as the first verse. The other thing that can really help people on second verses is to understand that verse one and verse two have a different job. And if, if I think about it that way, I go, okay, the, the job of the first verse is to give all that character's context and setting so that when my chorus and my title come in, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that in the second verse because I've already done it. And and so the job of the second verse is to take that big idea farther. So I ask myself that, and, and what's next, or then what? And then I can, can move it forward. But, you know, sometimes I think people... F- think, oh, the verses do the same thing. The job is just to get back to the chorus. But I think thinking about it this other way is makes it a lot more clear because you're trying to accomplish something different in that second verse. Yeah. And I, th- I think the next point I would talk about too is I call it just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> and, you know, so many times I see a, a lyric and it's got like great pictures and we did this, you know, like we went down to the beach and you were holding your shoes in your hand, but but there's never any. Right point i mean there's never any emotion to it it's just this happened yeah. you know i mean almost like telling somebody well we went on vacation and we went to the beach and we laid there every day and then we got some drinks and then we sat under this in the shade when it got hot and i'm gonna go okay what's the point of this story you know because right it's a laundry list of of what happened and that person will say to you but this really happened but it's not a song right yeah. So you can't just give people facts, right. you know, you can't. And, you know, a lot of times people will call it furniture or, you know, pictures in their, their lyrics. So, you know, I can picture the scene, but I have to care about the scene for it to be a, a hit song, you know? So you, you have to tell me why all those things are important and, you know, why, or why the memory of those things is important, why that sticks in your head, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, remember not to just give facts and then the last one I'll talk about is um, not connecting the dots. And, and this is a common ailment for, I think, every writer starting out is that we know the backstory, and we, but we've, we leave out parts. Because, because we know all of it, we think it's clear. And so, you know, I think it's great to check with somebody who doesn't know the story and say, you know, tell me what's going on in this lyric and, and let them read it and give you feedback so that you make sure you're connecting all the dots. And if they can tell you back the story, then you, you did good. But if, you know, if they go, oh, I'm not really sure, <laughs> you know, I, I gave somebody feedback today and I'm like, I'm not really sure what the relationship in these characters is. You know, I don't know. And they were like, oh, it's a child talking to a dad. And I'm like, oh, wow. I thought, yeah. I thought it was two people that are dating or something, you know. They so don't you, see the, the audience won't see the video in your head. So right. unless there's a music video that's they're watching every time they hear the song, they're not going to get it. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to fill in all the blanks for people, but you have to fill in enough that they can follow and understand. And and a lot of that falls under that character's context and setting. You know, if I if I can establish who's involved, what's going on and where we are, if that matters, then I've got a pretty good grasp on the story as it starts. And, you know, and then I have to, to build it. But those are some of the big um, issues that I see with lyric writing. I think if, you know, if you address those five or six things we talked about, you're going to have a pretty good grasp on uh, fixing most of the problems that you have in a lyric. 
I hope you found those lyric tips helpful. Now on to Clay with his tips on melody mistakes and fixes. I see this in my master class this year. The number one thing when students are turning in songs is they don't have enough contrast between sections of the songs. And I would say it, over the last five or six years, this has been really important in all genres. If you listen to hit songs in all genres, but I think even more so in the last year. So I thought today we could just talk about um, how, I mean, there's specific things you can do to make sure that each section of your song sounds different. And so I thought we could talk about that. And they're not hard things to do. You can go back and rewrite your songs, just like you're rewriting a lyric. You can go back and put these things into play in your songs, and it'll instantly make them more engaging. Awesome. So what are those things you can do? Well, I mean, some of it traditionally is pretty obvious, like with your melody note range. Traditionally, if you have a verse, you don't want to go, you know, to that high note of your chorus in your verse. You want to save that. You know, they call it the money note. Now, these days, there's a lot of chill songs where actually the melody goes down. So you have to be careful. You kind of have to pick a melody note and that's your melody note. So even if you're going down, for instance, that old Garth Brooks song on, I got friends in low places. Well, he sings really low on that low places and it's an effect. It, it grabs your attention. That's the money note. But if you were hammering that note throughout the verse, when he did it in the chorus, it's not going to matter. You know, kind of like if you've got a title for your song, but you're hammering one of the words in that title over and over in your verse, um, in that lyric, it's not going to, it's going to lessen the effect when you get to the chorus. So it, it's, you got to stay away from that money note in your chorus. Now, you'll hear some exceptions, but if you're really trying to write the best song, you can save the money note for the chorus, whether it's a high note or it's a low note. Um, the second thing I would say and this is something that I've just seen the last few years that's become way important, is if you're starting your melody, say on beat one, your vocal comes in beat one of the bar in the verse. So let's say on one, two, three, four. Anytime you walk into the room, I can't find the air to breathe. So those two lines come on one, two, three, four, downbeat. They come right there on the one. So if I do that and I get to the chorus and I start right on beat one of every bar in the chorus, people are going to tune out. It's They want to hear you come in somewhere different. So if I'm doing, anytime you walk into the room, I can find the air to breathe. Anytime you walk into the room. So if I'm going right into the chorus on that, you could hear I started three beats, one. Any, yeah, I started on beat two, one. Anytime you walk into the room. So I started almost a whole bar before the chorus started with that down, with that um, chorus section, the melody. Um, and that also gives you like some kind of feeling of you're speeding up and you're kind of ramping up into that chorus. Um, you might want to come in after the beat. So um, let's see, uh, 
if you're coming in beat one on the verse, let's get to the chorus and let's start um, maybe right after the downbeat, like the and, and kind of give it a kind of a more pushed feel in that way. Uh, three, four. Anytime you walk into the room, I can't find the air to breathe. Okay, chorus. Four, one. Anytime you walk into the room, Girl, I can't find no room to breathe. So it's like one, ba, 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 and I'm coming in right after. Now you'll also notice I did another thing that's cool. Um, I changed up the rhythm. So that's another giveaway. If, if your verse is anytime you walk into the room, I don't want to get to the chorus and just raise the melody and have that same rhythm. Anytime you walk into the room, it's just not enough contrast. But if I get to the chorus and I go, one, anytime you walk into the room, girl, I can't find no room to breathe. Now, I know you wouldn't write a lyric like, girl, I can't find no room to breathe, but I needed the syllables, Marty. That's quite all right. <laughs> you can have that syllable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing I noticed in that was that, that when you're pushing it like that and coming in a little later, and changing up the phrasing, it also gives it a different energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what that's a good way of looking at it. You want to have contrasting energies. And often in your chorus, you want to have a feeling of more intense energy. So by kind of speeding up the rhythm, you it achieves that. Um, another thing I see is a lot of times when people have pre-courses in their songs, if you've got a busy verse, what do you do? You get to that pre-chorus, you want some long notes. And I look at it, I call it like a palate cleanser. Because when I get to the chorus, I'm going to get busy again. So if I use that pre-chorus with some long notes, do a little palate cleansing, when I get to that chorus, it's like, ah, now I'm busy again. But if I had started off busy in the verse, busy in the pre-chorus, busy in the chorus, then it would be, you know, just a busy song and people would tune out of that because there's not enough contrast. Contrast. It's not that hard, but it's so easy when we're writing to just get locked into a groove, locked into a melody rhythm, locked into a note range because it feels good. In my melody mastering book, um, we talk about line plus three where you'll have a line and then you'll have three hits like bum, 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 da, 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 one two three and so if that's your pattern in your verse you don't want to do that same pattern in your chorus and i think if you get really conscious of thinking of melody not as just what notes do i choose and what chords but you think of what rhythm patterns i think if you if you can lock into that you're going to be a lot more commercial today Let's talk about uh, one more thing, and that's syncopation versus straight notes. So that, you know, and that's one thing I don't hear enough of, especially like in the country genre is syncopation. So what I mean by that is if you're counting one, two, three, four, a straight melody would be right on those beats. One, two, three, four. Syncopation's on the upbeat. So one, two, three, four, one, uh, 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 uh. You know, it's that kind of um, in between the beat, upbeat kind of thing. So um, 
Line plus three is great for that because you can get that second beat um, syncopated. Every time you walk in. Let's see what key I'm in. Every time you walk into that room. You know, doing that as opposed to every time I walk into the room. I can find the air to breathe. You know, that gets a little boring by today's standards. So if you're doing real straight stuff in the verses, it's great to, to go into, you know, um, do the syncopation stuff in your choruses. And then that just offers a different way to contrast. Thanks for being here. Clay, thanks for sharing all your wisdom. Cheers. Thanks for listening. This podcast is powered by Sweetwater, the best place to get all your musical gear. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to Clay's Melody Book, Mastering Melody Writing, and Marty's book, Song Building, Mastering Lyric Writing. I can tell you these books are awesome and take you on a deeper dive into lyric and melody writing and are perfect for all songwriters of all skill levels. So have a great week and go write your best song.